This episode is brought to you by America's Rehab Campus. Get on the road to recovery with the best rehab in beautiful Arizona. Dial 1-833-272-7342. That's 1-833-ARC-REHAB. again to another fantastic episode of the Rcast. My name is Buddha. I am here with my buddy Vance Johnson. Introduce yourself one more time. Vance Johnson, the ambassador here at Arc. I'm just excited to be on another podcast, especially with our guest speaker today. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, we are joined by Mrs. Michaela, our marketing director. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And today, our special guest, a very, very special guest. I'm very excited to have you on the show because I want to dig deeper into your story. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Ann Jump. Yay! How are you feeling, Miss Ann? I am feeling great, and thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm actually really excited about that. I'm excited, too. I am very excited, too. So, okay, I want to get started, and I wanted to ask you these questions, all right? So for me, I started here a few years back, and you're one of the first few people that I got to meet here. And over the years, I've noticed that your job title is very intricate. You do a lot of different types of things here. What is your job title here at ARC? Uh, my actual job title is I'm the Corporate Quality Risk Director. Risk Director. So that's my actual job title. Okay. Um, believe it or not, I actually started here five years ago as the first receptionist in this building. So oh, I really? I did not know that. the front desk, yes. And I've been here since we opened. So I started at the reception desk, and then I was also a teacher at the time because I still had my teaching certificate. So from oh, there, wow. I got moved into education and actually doing groups here. And then I went into a director of education position. And then from there, I went into quality risk. And then now I'm the director of quality and risk. Okay, so fantastic. I spent five years just really kind of working my way up through the company. Just working your way up. That's awesome. And, and that's one of the things that I've noticed, too, is like whenever we have any type of issues with anything, whether they're minimal or they're catastrophic, you're like the go-to person. Where's Ann? We need to find Ann right now and figure out where she's at. And it reminds me of head coaches in the NFL because normally they have to play all the different positions so they can know how to guide people that come on their team. So I really appreciate your transparency because you get to help all those newcomers that are joining here at the ARC and especially the ones that are already here to prepare them so that they know how we work here at the ARC. Yeah, that's 90% of what I do really is just kind of monitoring and making sure our processes are being met so we can provide the best quality of care that we can. All right. And that's what we do. Okay. And so what made you want to get involved in this type of work? You said you were a teacher. What were you teaching before this? Believe it or not, I actually used to teach math for sixth and eighth graders. Okay. And I, I love teaching. I do. It's just working in a school system is very difficult because yeah. it's not your students that are usually the problem. It's usually administration and there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes on. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love our school systems. I think our school systems are great, but I definitely think that they need to make a few changes. Yeah. Um, so when I left there, I actually came to work here 
what a lot of people know and know is I was actually offered a different job besides this one. And I had a choice between going and being an executive assistant or coming here. And I actually turned down the other job to come work here. Wow. wow. Can I hop in there real quick? Because I'm going to actually be speaking at Catalina High School. And they want me to come talk to the different student athletes, uh, the female and males. Is there any advice that you can give me that I can give them? Because they want me to come talk about addiction and how it affects especially even kids that are teenagers in high school. So when it comes to high school students, I found, honestly, just treat them as you would any other adult. Kids mm. are not dumb. They're not. Most of them already face addiction in some way or another, either through family or friends or something. Mm -hmm. So they've already seen it. And we just have yeah. to make sure that they understand it's not something to be ashamed of. Thank yeah. you so much. And that's the reason why I want to be able to let them know. Just because I was famous doesn't mean that I wasn't where exactly you might be today. Right. And we just make sure that they understand that there is help out there. They don't have to be scared. They don't have to be afraid. They don't have to be ashamed. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And to me, I say transparency leads to transformation. So thank you for that. It's so scary. A few weeks, a couple weeks back talking about high school, I was looking on Facebook and I saw that there was like a riot that broke out at Tucson High. Did any of you guys hear about that? No. So, a riot. Uh, there was a riot. So apparently, uh, this is what I heard like on Facebook or whatever. Apparently there was a student who, I don't know if he was developmentally delayed some somehow or whatever, but I, apparently he was getting bullied. So the dad ended up walking onto the campus, and it was all over, like, TikTok. It was all wow. over Facebook and everything. But, yeah, I mean, you could see the dad walking into the campus and, and just choking this kid on the floor in the middle of Tucson High. And that's where I went. You know, I, I was supposed to be class of 06, but I, I was a troublemaker back then. So I didn't graduate till right before I turned 21. But, you know, thinking back, like, I remember being in high school, you know, we had weed, you know, there were, there was some client, like I remember our, you know, people would do Coke and things like that. And I remember seeing like a syringe every now and then in the, in the bathroom, but compared to like what it was back then, like to what we have to deal with now, like our kids with this fentanyl epidemic and mm -hmm. with everything going on, like it's terrifying for me. I have a, I have a 10 year old who's going on 27. Hi baby girl. I know you're <laughs> listening. And I also have an eight year old. And I think about that all the time. It's so scary. It's so scary. I couldn't, couldn't imagine being a teacher right now. Yeah. Well, really it's, it's teachers don't really have a whole lot of control when it comes to actually teaching children about this, any type of drug education, it's a no-no. You're not, you're not really supposed to talk about this stuff. Even yeah. though it's really something that should be talked mm -hmm. about, we should be open and honest with all of our kids. And it really, it should start probably about the eight-year-old age. So wow. people understand. No wonder why the athletic director reached out to me because that's something they're not mm -hmm. teaching in school. And that's no. why he asked me to come and share with them. It, it, well, back in the day, and I'm going to date myself right here. I'm going to tell you how old I am because <laughs> um, we, we, we actually had something called the D.A.R.E. program. And it actually had a significant amount of impact on the younger generations it did. as they grew up. Mm -hmm. It's wow. no longer in existence. You don't no. get it in the schools anymore. You're not seeing it in the communities anymore. I mean, I think I finally ran into somebody doing the D.A.R.E. stuff, I want to say like three or four months ago, and it was just them trying to get a petition signed. There was no education, no, hey, let's get it back in the schools, nothing like that. And I think it's really sad that we're not they were not providing that for children. Was the was the Dare program? Did they offer a lot of resources and stuff for kids that were they did. people using at the time? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. Wow. And and not only did they do the education piece, but you know they actually had they actually used to come and show you what they looked like, so you knew what to avoid. Mm -hmm. wow. So instead of you guessing, well, is this meth or is it not or anything, you actually knew ahead of time. So I think that education is very, very, very important. And I'm sure with the shutdown because of COVID, a lot of the kids were just leaning on their addictions while they weren't going to school. 
and now having to go back to school, how are they going to be educated about the problem that they had to suffer through during the right. COVID? How do they have crazy. to cope? Uh, they actually said that the reports of child abuse and domestic violence significantly decreased. They were only getting like 10% of like the 70% they were getting through the whole COVID season. So people weren't reporting it any longer because nobody was seeing it. There wow. was no mandated reporter actually visualizing these kids. So now they're going back to school where they just spent uh, like basically two years at home with parents that could have very well been abusing them or neglecting them oh, or anything right. else. Exactly. And now they're having to go back and now they have to cope. Well, how are they going to cope? Well, most of them are going to numb it out. And how they're going to do that? Drugs and alcohol are always first things on the list. That's so sad. That's so sad. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't I couldn't get over when I saw that. You know, I just back then I mean there wasn't there was phones, but you had those bit you had those bricks or those flip phones. It was like one <laughs> megapixel. You couldn't see anything. There was no uploading to Facebook. There was none of that. You know what I mean? And now it's like you can see the whole world being streamed in a second. Mm-hmm. And I think back to like when I was a kid, if we wanted to smoke a cigarette, we had to be real sneaky and go to the bathroom and you had to worry about the smell. Mm. Now it's like you just put anything in a vape. You can yeah. put meth in a vape. You can do anything like that. Like these kids just have it so much worse. Mm-hmm. TV, media, everything just being pushed in front of their face. It's everything. so sad. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure we pray for them all day. We got to pray day. for them. So. Amen. Man, so Miss Ann, if you wouldn't mind, you know, I would I would like to know a little bit deeper, get deeper into your story. Do you have any ties like with addiction? Like do I you, do. You do? Um, I'm currently 19 years sober. Oh, 19 years. You're my hero. There you go. Yeah. I'll give you one more round of applause right there. <laughs> All right. I actually stopped drinking on January 1st, 2003. 2003. That was the last time I actually, not, that was the last time I actually drank. Wow. Um, I've actually, I, I've never really actually told anybody my whole story. So some of this is still kind of hard for me to talk about. Okay. Even though I dealt with it years ago, it's not really stuff I, I talk about now. Yeah. So I actually grew up in a, how do I put this, picture-perfect family. Mm-hmm. So it, what you saw necessarily wasn't what you got, though. Oh, so you were Mexican, right? is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my family was. Yeah, everything is always glossy on the surface, even though everything else is rotting underneath kind of thing. Yeah. And I grew up in a very, very small town. I'm talking like we had a population of like 2,500 people, and I guarantee you they counted cows to get that number. Mm. <laughs> so I grew up in a, a very – and I grew up 20 miles from Mexico. Oh, you did? Oh, yes. wow. Okay. So, I mean, I was right there on the border. So drugs and alcohol were very easily accessible my entire time growing up. Um, I was Melissa when I was eight by a neighbor. And, of course, in those – back when I was that age, you don't talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's very hush-hush. You didn't mention it. You didn't talk about it. You kind of just dealt with it. So I started drinking when I was 13. Wow. Um, and like I said, when you grow up in that small of a community, there's really not much else you can do. But I was dealing with the trauma of what happened to me when I was little. So and I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. I couldn't talk to my family about it. I couldn't talk to my parents about it. So I just started drinking instead. Um, as I got older, when I started hit 14, 15, and I was getting to high school, um, all of my friends were doing things like meth, crack cocaine, heroin. Like I said, when you grow up 20 miles from Mexico, there's no shortage. And we were all drinking. Um, I started actually crossing the border and getting drunk in Mexico when I was 15. So, I mean, I probably spent more of my time being completely and totally wasted than I actually did going to school. And I barely graduated. Man. I mean, I barely graduated. So, by the time I, I was able to get away and I moved out, I moved out when I was 19. I left home. I couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, I moved back up here to Tucson, and it just kind of progressively got worse because then I was by myself. 
-hmm. You know, everybody I knew were, were majorly into drugs and alcohol. Every relationship I had was super abusive. Um, everybody was doing drugs or alcohol. I got married. My ex-husband was not only extremely abusive, but he was a massive user. So oh. he did everything. Yeah. He didn't care what it was as long as it would get up high. And this shows that mental illness is real. It is. Yes. It was extensive for me. And then I finally started to get the wake-up call. And it was, my aha moment was probably the last day my ex-husband hit me. Oh, man. And I had had enough. I had a one-year-old daughter, and I needed to get away. So I divorced him, got out. I was living with a friend. Um, I was still drinking, however, unfortunately. And it was on New Year's Eve for 2003 that I was out with a group of friends, and I probably did the most shameful thing I've ever done in my life. And that's when they actually recorded me having sex with somebody I didn't know at the bar. Wow. Thank you for your transparency. Yeah. So that was really difficult. You're bringing me to tears. And I want to say right in front of everyone that's listening right now that I repent for my sins because I was also an abusive man. Even during my NFL career, I came home and I was high and ended up throwing my wife across the bed. She hit her head against the closet door and was lying on the ground and she was dead. She wasn't even breathing. And I ended up taking her to the bathroom and dumping water out of the toilet into her face. And even when she started to breathe, I wished that she was dead. And so I want to say I'm sorry that you had to go through that because I was one of those men. Well, honestly, at this point in my life, I mean, I forgave my ex-husband a long time ago, believe it or not. God bless you. Mm -hmm. um, I forgave everybody who ever did anything wrong to me a long time ago, only because I knew I couldn't hold on to that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a firm believer that power is not taken. You have to give it up. Mm. So I stopped giving up my power. And once I stopped giving up my power, I got a lot stronger. And I got the help that I needed. And I got clean and I got sober. And I've been doing it ever since. Dude, okay. I'm so proud of you. That's fantastic. That, that, that is your transparency, like he said. You know, just thank you. So forgiveness is such a huge thing for me, especially. And for so many years, all I focused on was forgiving everybody else that I had never paused to forgive myself. Have you walked through that process of just like, you know, being able to say, okay, I've overcome this and I've forgiven everybody, but I've forgiven me too. Or is that like an, it's an everyday process for me. So that's why I'm like, other people need to know that like, it's forgiving yourself is probably harder than forgiving the other people. Well, you're right there. You're exactly right there. It took me about 10 years to get to that point. Mm -hmm. That's when I finally got the clue. Um, most people wouldn't believe this, but I'm actually an extremely introverted person. I hold my problems and everything else like that very close to me. I don't openly talk about this mm -hmm. stuff, and it's still a struggle for me to this day. So, yeah, it took me about 10 years before I finally got to that self-accusation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't say the word. Accusation? Self-accusation. No. Is that right? Actualization. Actualization. Okay, the there you go. There we figured go. it out. <laughs> when I finally got to that point, it did take me about 10 years into my recovery. Mm -hmm. So that's when I finally, that's what I'm saying about the whole Somebody can take your power from you. They can only do it if you give it up. Mm -hmm. Well, as long as you realize and understand that you are strong enough to hold on to that, then there's nothing you can't do, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be guilty mm -hmm. about. And now I just live and I do my life the way I need to, and I don't yeah. worry about anything else. Your transparency is really awesome. And even when I look yes. back at myself, you know, I tell people there are many roads to recovery, and I was judging myself for many years, and that's why I struggled. But it wasn't until I became a believer where I said that, you know, I, when I repented from my sins and addictions, I became a new creation. So I just mm. give God praise that now I'm new, and I get to at least just use the old me yes. to show people there's a way out. 
Well, man, uh, thank you so much, Miss Ann, for going into your story and everything. You know, on top of your sobriety, I've noticed a lot of changes in you over the years physically mm-hmm. as well. Your skin looks healthier. You look younger. Like, it's like you found the fountain of youth. So my question is, you know, what made you want to start this new journey of getting healthier even physically? Like, when did that start? So um, I think the, the biggest change in my life happened probably about six years ago now. Yeah. Uh, my husband was diagnosed with emphysema and COPD. Mm. Um, he only has 15% of his lungs left. Wow. So he's unfortunately probably not going to be around to see our 20th anniversary, which is next year. I'm really hoping he makes it that far. I'm kind of shooting for 25 at this point, but we'll see. You know, God kind of has his own plan for that. And I kind of just kind of roll with it. Mm -hmm. But one of the biggest changes was he can't breathe. You know, emphysema affects your lungs. It, It makes it where you just can't breathe anymore. And because of the way we were eating and the way our lifestyle was, he was gaining a lot of weight, which makes it worse. Okay. Not better. Yes. So we had to change lifestyle because I had to get his weight down. Well, in order to do that, both of us had to do it because it's like that support factor. He's mm-hmm. doing it, so am I. Okay. So that's when we started changing our, our, our whole lifestyle and the way we were eating, what we were doing. Obviously, I'm a huge person about positivity and things like that. So we started infecting those things just to kind of give him a better life because I want to keep him around as long as I can. Thank you so yeah. much for validating what I had to do too because I ended up having to lose Weight, and I ended up changing my diet and lost 30 pounds because I was just oh, so well, unhealthy. Congratulations. Yes, That's amazing. Right. I was to the point where they say, advanced because of your health and the things you're eating, this is going to lead you to end up having to go to the hospital. And so I changed my diet. That's good. Hey, Vance, so in the Bible, it talks about prayers from righteous, righteous people, right? So I'm asking all the prayer warriors out there, anybody yes. listening to this podcast that believes in God, that has faith, prayers for Ann Jump, prayers for everyone here, you know, for their families that they can live long and healthy lives, you know, because we all deserve that. Did you read my post or something this morning? Because I literally, I know you haven't, but I literally posted to pray for me because I'm going to be doing an intervention today. Okay, well, we're praying for you. Prayer warriors, wherever you at, man, please pray. Amen. We need you guys right now. Um, So that's fantastic. And one of the ways that you lost weight was through the intermittent fasting, right? I did, between that and the keto dieting. All right. And that's why we're friends. I don't know if you guys know this, but Mrs. Ann is an amazing cook. Okay, she's giving me some amazing advice on, mm. on food and the things that she cooks. So, like, that's why I really wanted to pick your brain because I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's just incredible to me. You're good at so many different things. You know what I mean? Eva, if you're listening and you're out there, we need to, we need to bring Anne over so she could teach us how to make that fish boil. I ain't even playing. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one who gave me the, the advice easiest, on that. The easiest thing in the world to actually make. Yeah. All right. So, you got, how much have you dropped so far? I am down... I want to say 43 pounds. All right. Wow. Another applause right there. And then we'll even throw in the, All right. we'll throw in the horns Jeez, right God. there. That is awesome. Pounds. And so you're doing the keto and the intermittent fasting? Yep. I'm still doing that stuff. And I believe my husband is now down. I think he actually made 55 pounds. Dang. Wow. That's awesome. Has he gone, like the doctors, has his life expectancy or his lungs, has anything increased since he's made those lifestyle we, changes? They don't tell you that kind of stuff when you go you see them. Yeah. It's. They want you to be realistic about your chances and okay. about what you're doing. Everything we're doing helps, but it's not our choice. Okay. Right now, it's we just try to live the best life that we can while we have this time because there will come a time where we won't have it anymore. Thank you so much for caring so much about the clients that are here at ARC because you're just really saving a lot of lives. Well, it's kind of funny because I always wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That, was, yeah. that was my lifelong dream. And then, of course, you know, 13 happened and then all that went downhill from there. But I think that's part of why I wanted to work here so badly is because I had a chance to actually help people. 
And God said your gift will make room for you. So guess where you are? Yes. That's, that's exactly where he wanted where you. I need to be. Yes. This is where I belong. And this is where I always be. That's awesome. You've got you've got an authority. And I always, I always tell everyone here, I'm like, Anne scares me. When she points at me, <laughs> Anne will be across the facility and she'll point at you and she'll be like, get over here. She has that mom point. I'm like, all right, but you know what? When you talk, Anne, people listen to you. So you've got definitely that gift as well. You just gave me goosebumps because I remember my coach would point at me and tell me to run the right play. So thank you for being a coach. <laughs> Absolutely. What kind of doctor did you want to be? I actually wanted to be a pediatrician of all things. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And then that was, yeah, that was you know, 800 million years ago, because that's kind of crazy. But life doesn't work out the way you plan. It works out the way it's supposed to. I like that. Yeah, yep, you are absolutely right. So I have one last question for you that I wrote down. If you guys have any questions, please jump in. But my, my question was, any advice that you have for anybody out there that may be struggling with addiction or health and wellness, maybe in a bad relationship or whatever it may be? Don't stop. Listen to your coach. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Even if you trip, even if you fall, get back up. Absolutely. Don't stop because it works. It happens. Every day is a gift. Life is a beautiful thing. It really is. If you, that's where you want it to be, but you have to work for it. Yeah. You have to make the right choices. You have to stop trying to live life easy and start living it the right way. Unless you work out every single day, how are you going to have victory? It's the same thing in recovery. It is. Wow. It's literally exactly like that. So just don't stop. It's okay to make mistakes. Everybody, there's no mm -hmm. such thing as a perfect person. Yeah. So you have to be accepting of that. You're going to make mistakes. Just don't stop trying. I used to drop passes, but guess what? That didn't mean I had to stop. You pick it back up again and you, you, you go keep catch it keep this going. time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Even if you got to throw a little glue on your hands every once in a while to oh, make sure it doesn't <laughs> slip. Wait a second. You know what? <laughs> that was illegal back in my day, but guess what I would do? Oh, gosh. Put glue on my, my gloves. That way oh. it wouldn't be on my hands. Hey, just don't comb your hair with it. I know, <laughs> I know you guys have seen that. Oh, that's why I'm bald. Okay. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're bald. <laughs> that's funny. But, yeah, I mean, outside of that, really, and I know it sounds, it's a cliche because we all say it all the time, but it really is just one day at a time. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I see that a lot in the clients where when you look at the whole picture of what you're trying, what, what sobriety means to you, getting your kids back, getting your job back, getting an education, doing all these amazing things because you're feeling good for the first mm -hmm. time. I can only imagine that that must be super overwhelming. To I mean, you're at step one and you're trying to get to step one thousand. Like mm -hmm. it, it really is. That's exactly what it is. It's like most of, when people first get those first like ten days of sobriety and you're feeling good. Then you start thinking about life and what you need to do for life. You're not being sober right in that moment. You're trying to be sober 10 years down the line. Mm -hmm. okay. And you can't do that. That's one of the things I love about ARC, though. And one of the things that, like, when I when I started that I learned how we do the laundry for them. Like, we take out the extra that you don't need to focus on right this moment so that you can focus on what you do need to focus on. Right. And that's where I think, like, having people on staff like you goes so far because we think of those things. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been like, it's laundry. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, it's just laundry. Everybody did. Or it's just making your bed. Now, you know, it, those little things really do help out mm -hmm. a lot. And then you have to think of, well, you know, first thing we think of anytime we start to feel good is like, well, I have to pay my bills, right? Yeah. That's where I'm like, guys, stop. You make arrangements. Figure out an easy way to do with this. And that's where the case managers come to play. And we have some amazing case managers here that do a lot. Yeah. And we I do. tell them, go, to, go see your case manager, work it out. Mm -hmm. As long as you're willing to work out the plan, they'll work with you. But if you don't ask, you're not going to know. Mm -hmm. 
So get in there and ask. Absolutely. That's cool. That's cool. Mrs. Ann, thank you so much for, you know, for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. This was a fantastic episode. I want to thank you guys for listening to the last few episodes. If you guys have any questions or you guys want to be a part of the show, uh, you guys have a testimony you want to share with the rest of the world. Miss Michaela, how would they get in contact with us? They can go to our website. We have a podcast page and then they can also email me. Reach out, share a little bit of your story with me via email and then we'll connect to schedule to to be on the podcast all right all right and so before you actually wrap it up i do have a a special message hopefully our alumni are listening because you know this is our facebook page i know a lot of my former clients are out there if you guys would like get with us and get up here and share your story just remember it is time to start giving back to the community yes and Mm -hmm. start working that stage of your recovery so make sure you come up here reach out to michaela Reach out to Buddha. Reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Get up here and share your story so we can save more lives. This is yes. your gift. Amen. And if you don't want to reach out to me individually yet and you know someone on our staff, reach out to them and they'll get to me. All right. And if you guys go to the anchor.fm website forward slash the ArtCast, there is a tab there that allows you to leave voice messages to us. So if you guys have a voicemail, make sure you leave us your phone number. They can also reach us at the ArtCast 6944 at Gmail right now as like a little temporary little temporary email we'll make sure that uh we get you know we get in contact with you but please man we want to hear your story there's a lot of people in this world Mm -hmm. that need healing and it starts with you opening up about some of the things that have gone through your life and all the trials and tribulations and where you're at now so thank you guys again miss ann one more time thank you thank you you. i love you very much i appreciate the relationship with you you're an amazing person and you're the heart and soul of arc we wouldn't be the same without you here so thank thank you. you again and i hope you guys out there all have a beautiful day and god bless you guys see you soon What's going on, everybody? This is Buddha from the Arcast, and I just wanted to thank you for checking out this week's episode. It means a lot, and if you could share it with a friend or a loved one, somebody you need in recovery, or maybe somebody who just needs that little bit of extra positivity in their life, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you would like to join us here on the Arcast, either in the studio live or online, hit us up. The links are down in the show notes of this episode, and on there, you can find direct links to our main website here at America's Rehab Campus and all of our social media platforms. Follow us. We keep the posts positive and motivational, focused on recovery, health, and wellness. As you know, in this modern day and age, we need as much love as possible, y'all. And as always, if you or somebody you know is in need of substance abuse treatment, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We're open 24 hours a day, and our direct phone number is 1-833-272-7342. Once again, that phone number is 1-833-272-7342. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Much love, and God bless. Peace.